2: Prepare to be inspired by the incredible Jules von Hepp. We speak all about body positivity, inclusivity, and how he built the most incredible brand, Isla Paradise. You don't want to miss this. Hi everyone, and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today, and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success, and how they overcame any obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, your host and the CEO and co-founder of Fable & Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable & Maine has been an incredible journey so far, and I decided to launch this podcast as a founder, keen to learn and connect with fellow founders across the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to inspire and hopefully help each other in what can be quite a lonely and tough journey. So if you're an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build beauty brands, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to introduce our guest for today, the wonderful Jules Von Hupp. Where do I begin with Jules? Well, Jules is a co-founder of Isla Paradise. A promoter and champion of body positivity, inclusivity, and confidence, and a brilliant podcaster as well, with the Jules and Sarah the podcast. And also, my just add, he is arguably my favorite Instagrammer today. Um, so thank you so much for the, just the amazing content that you always deliver. Starting his career, he started as a celebrity tanning expert for over 10 years and now has built one of the fastest growing beauty brands in the world with his 100% vegan, cruelty-free, self-tanning range, Isla Paradise. Jules, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh my gosh, you are so welcome. I feel
1: like I'm in absolutely safe hands. Um, I will just say, if at any point you hear random hoovering, it's because I've been completely idiotic and haven't briefed um, our cleano, also who's here as well, keeping the ship moving. So I think that's something, dear listeners, to really look forward to today. It's going to be a real, going to be a real sliding scale of content
2: for you. I think from me, <laughs> I am excited. I cannot wait. I think it's been. Yeah definitely been waiting and counting down for this moment to talk to you. So Jules before we start with the you know the fun questions I think I'm going to ask the most obvious one because I think it's the most important one. Who is Jules? Like tell us a bit about you and your journey. Um,
1: So I am devout northern English. Um, I'm fun, fun loving, creative. Um, I really fell into spray tanning. It was not a career that I woke up one day and was like, do you know what? I really want to be a celebrity spray tanner. Wow, this is the career for me. It was a career that just kind of presented itself. And it was, sometimes if I get, you know, if I go down, if I'm holding my crystals, I'm like, yeah, that was my calling from the universe. But it was, you know, a real moment for me. I was I dibble dabbled around in fashion, worked in fashion for a bit, then was working in beauty, working in um, office jobs and product development. And I was like, oh my God, well, I am not fitting this job role. And then I met a celebrity facialist called Nicola Joss. And she said to me, I think you'd be an amazing spray tanner. And at the time I was like, well, <laughs> a spray tanner? But what? Like, that's not a job. But actually, it was a job that required so much more than what you think and I like to put across a very open book and I'm very I have high levels of empathy I also have a whole journey with my own body confidence and you know when you've got that in your back catalogue then moving into a job where you're working with hundreds and thousands of naked bodies every single month it became something that really shaped me as a person. And so the jewels that is here the, with the dulcet tones in your ears, um, I'm somebody who's been on a real body confidence journey who has had to teach themselves how to be more confident whilst also teaching other people to be more confident, to love the skin that I'm in whilst teaching my clients to love the skin that they're in. And now with Isle of Paradise, I proudly say that I teach and help people feel more confident in their own skin every single day.
2: No, you truly do and and I mean just following you on Instagram every day I'm so inspired and we all face that kind of internal self-body shaming and the lack of confidence is so real and the way you just live your life and spread joy and love it's so infectious and um, yeah so grateful for everything you're doing but before we go into all of that because I think there's so much to talk about I want to kind of start a bit at the beginning because um, you said that you worked in some corporate, you know, I think you interned at some agencies and you've done some kind of corporate work and then you realised, you know, that's not for you. But for the you know listeners who are currently in that position and maybe feeling the same way, can you go a bit more deeper into that and like, yeah, what was that really like?
1: I studied fashion marketing at uni and, you know, there was a really... It was a really vocational degree that essentially taught us skills to go and work in the industry within fashion, whether it's fashion buying or going into creative side. And from that, I had I interned at a PR agency um, in fashion PR, and I loved so many aspects of it, but I remember feeling in my gut that the fashion industry just wasn't right for me. Um, I then moved to Australia kind of I always say by accident which is like oh I just fell on a plane and moved but I flipped a coin at a party um, and I said if this lands on Heads I'm going to book a ticket to Australia and it landed on Heads I'd had my body weight in tequila and I booked a one-way ticket to Australia moved to Australia but tried to use some contacts from London and scored a job working in Beauty at Vogue in Australia um, and so that's when I was like, oh, I really like this creative side of the beauty industry. But again, I'm not really into this, like, be at your desk at nine. Um, so then I moved back and was working in working in product development, working in marketing for a, another beauty brand. Um, and that's when I started to train in product. There was moments when... I was working as a spray tanner, but I still had an office job because spray tanning, I wasn't where I am now. And I couldn't live off my spray tanning wage. And so I was doing the X Factor at the weekends and was in a studio at the weekends. But then on Monday morning, I was sat in meetings and I worked seven days a week for five months. And at the time, I think... I think I was just so driven by joy. I was like, I'm just really enjoying this career path. I'm really, I had no goal. There was nothing mapped out. I wasn't like, this is the first step to me owning a brand that's going to take over the world. This was more about just following what felt good and what was making me happy. I think there's so much pressure when you start your career to get to the top, to get to this perceived place of joy. And actually, you know, what you do as a living has to really feed a lot of happiness. And so for me, I became quite addicted to making other people feel amazing. And I instantly was, I was working with just, like I worked with Little Mix when they were on X Factor. And then I would be in the hallways and Rihanna would walk past me or Lady Gaga would arrive. I was just mad. It was absolutely mad. And then from that, I'd met different agents backstage at X Factor who then were like, oh, I've got this other talent that needs a spray tan. I've got this person that needs a spray tan. And so it started to just build organically. And then I was poached by Strictly and so Strictly or Dancing with the Stars you might know if you're living overseas I was a spray tanner on Strictly for three years and that was really I think that was the real making of me as the spray tanner because I had to work with all different types of bodies all different types of skin tones I had to work with makeup and tan Um, and that's where I learned Everything about tan because I was working with bodies every single week. So it was things I'd noticed like your hormones will affect how you take a spray tan, um, stress will affect how you take a spray tan, all these different things that you wouldn't know unless you're doing that job. But then because I was doing TV work, it meant that I had to make skin look flawless. And that's when I started working with color corrected makeup. So I think. You know, to deep dive into that and into the career, I really because I remember talking to my friends and they would be in office jobs and we'd be sat having drinks in the pub and they'd be like, I just really hate my job. I don't know what I'm doing. And I think I actually don't hate my job. I actually really enjoy it because I just make people feel good. And it was never about it was never about the money. It was never about the career ladder. It was never about any of that for me. I was just following
2: what felt great. And and honestly, like, A, the first thing which really is just stuck in my head so much, which I will probably have as a mantra now, is, you know, what you do for a living should feed your happiness. And that is something everyone should really live by. And, you know, so many times, even me today with my friends, everyone is like, most of my friends, especially maybe in the investment bank, corporate route, they're so miserable. And they're like, I need to leave. I see what you do with your brand. I'm like, what's stopping you? What is stopping you? You know, you should, you spend nine to five, if let's say that's the average uh, work, you know, doing something that's part of your daily life—that is eight hours minimum of your day. That's part of your life. You should enjoy it. This should you know. You need to enjoy what you do, and then money and stuff will come when you enjoy it. But it, um, I think, yeah, what you what you've done in your journey is just a testament to that. So. Yeah, really, really inspiring. And also, personally, I love Strictly X Factor. So to know that you were behind some of those incredible looks, pretty cool.
1: Yes, that was me with the old spray gun backstage. But um, just to also quote one of my friends, we um, she, Annie Mack, she is a big DJ. And she's, I met her through doing spray tans and then we've become friends. And she said to me pretty early doors in my career, she said, never underestimate the power of your passion. And I just thought, That's coming from you, who has this huge show on Radio 1, who was hosting festivals, who was travelling the world being this DJ. And I was like, if you're telling me that, it's obviously work for you. So I'm going to really channel that into myself. Like, what is my passion? And let's just go with it. And I think life is just too short to not enjoy what you do for a living. I can't imagine spending every single day hating your profession. There's absolutely no point. Money is... It shouldn't rule what you choose to do. What, money will come if you are being passionate and you are just creating and you are growing because that's really what's going to drive you. And I think that as a beauty founder or as any founder of any business, you need to have that drive and that passion because it ain't nine to five. It just isn't. And it's one of those jobs that actually, without your passion those knees are going to buckle pretty early
2: doors. 100%. And, and I think uh, it's, if anyone's listening, it's really not about... Timing is... Don't let timing affect you. you know, there's, it's never too late. Uh, what you've done in the past... I did four years engineering, and I went straight day one into being an unpaid intern at Estee Lauder, and all my friends are like, you're crazy. You're absolutely mad. And I said, you know what? That's because this is my passion. And If I find happiness in what I do every day... I will have success in it. And you know, lo and behold, it came. It might come straight away. It might come in a bit later, but as long as you're happy, why not be on that journey? So fully, fully agree with you, Jules. And another thing I want to also just kind of touch upon um, before we talk about your Isle of Paradise journey is, you know, you've worked with a lot of different type of talents with specifically different skin tones and self-tanning or tanning has always been unfortunately, kind of stereotyped or boxed into a certain type of, oh, you have to be, you know, it's about making yourself darker. So if you're slightly like myself, melanated, you wouldn't tan. And I think we had this, this discussion uh, a few weeks ago when we spoke um, offline. Uh, what was that like in terms of, did some of your talent that were a bit more melanated, were they open to tanning? And how was that like?
1: I think for me, the whole tanning industry and as a category within the beauty arena was just so molded on this one size fits all. And it was the same body type, the same skin tone, the same kind of image of a white bikini in a fake beach. That was just the same thing that was seen. And when you're working with clients as a beauty expert and also somebody who's working in session, I was just organically working with different skin tones already and different body shapes already. For me, it was just a no; It was obvious. But actually, I think society was so programmed by the 1990s, the early noughties, that real fake tan for the footballers' wives. That was really this kind of creation where tanning went... And it just was not about that for me. I, was, I, I remember I started tanning when I was 18 and it was about making myself feel more confident. And tan is about mimicking vacation. So if you've been on the best vacation of your life, and this is what I used to say to people, if I met them at a party and they had melanated skin and they'd say, oh, I'm not, you know, tanning isn't right for me. This is exactly how I'd describe it. If you've been on the best vacation of your life and we're talking like, boat parties, lions, gorgeous avocado toast, no clouds in the sky. It's been the dream. Um, You come back and how do you look when you look in front of the mirror? You look absolutely incredible. The skin is glowing. You look well rested. You don't have any dark circles. There's no stress within the skin. That is what tan does. And the reason it does this is because It evens out the whole skin tone and it creates this whole uniform finish within the skin, regardless of your skin colour. The tan itself, um, which is called DHA, is a translucent ingredient. It's not a tinted ingredient. The tint within the bottle was created so that people could see where they were going. It wasn't there because that's how it comes from the labs it's completely transparent so when you put it on your skin it then reacts with your skin to mimic the vacation skin if you put it on a tabletop there'd be no reaction because it's not designed to react with a tabletop yeah so really instead of seeing it as oh I can't use that product it's more Oh, that part of the industry didn't market the product properly because they really pigeonholed and went in with the blinkers, and it was all for one, you know, one type of person. And actually, we all deserve that feeling of post vacation. We all deserve that feeling of looking in front of the mirror and glowing top to toe. So for darker skin tones, tan removes ashiness it removes um blue undertones any like dullness within the skin it creates that really beautiful warm even glowy complexion that you would get from a vacation without having to lie in the sun
2: and honestly like that's everything you've said as well not only does it make sense and as someone who again was but even just before i spoke to you in the first time i was like don't think i'll ever tan and you really have inspired me and, something that's actually not so, it's not new to my ear, you know, like it's its obvious. It's just, I never really wired my brain to think of it like this. I kind of was always, and I think it did also start with exactly same, like going to the shops, seeing in the self-tanning ranges, it was always this kind of like, it looked like it was not for my kind of skin color. Um, but with what you've done with your products, you kind of really showcased that the clearness, you haven't used the typical colors. It's, you know, green, purple. It's like, beautiful and it's so inviting to everyone I think that in itself is already just a it's a very small subtle but huge impact in the industry so I think kind of is a perfect segue into sort of now this Isle of Paradise brand which I'm obsessed with everything about it like I mean I cannot explain how obsessed I am and thank you A for gifting me and sending me this product which I'm going to actually do a whole routine and test it and try and share it on my channels. Cause I'm really excited for my first ever tanning experience. Um, but I also wanted to know you've been doing celebrity, you know, a lot of tanning in the, some of the best places. Um, and then how did Isla paradise really like, what was the first moment where you're like, where you always, did you always knew you wanted to build a brand or was it like your frustration in the industry to create something that for was for everyone?
1: No, I, I didn't want to build a brand. And for me, it was just being completely unable to find products that were going to do what they said that they were going to do. Um, you know, I remember reading an article and it, I think it was in Vogue and they said, you know, this is the world's leading spray tanner or something like that. And then I remember going to a store and I was trying to build products for my kit. And I was thinking, hang on, if that magazine is calling me the world's best spray tanner and I can't find products that are going to do what they say they're going to do, if I'm getting really frustrated and if I'm having to literally make products in my kit, then how on earth is, you know, Debbie in Newcastle going to get the best tan of her life if I don't step up as an expert and sort this all out. And I think there was a point that I realised, you know, I actually had and still have a, a strong voice within the beauty industry. And I had the, unless, it's, unless I step up as an expert, this tanning category is just going to stay exactly the same as it is. And it wasn't just about product, but it was about representation and inclusivity and you know, just changing the status quo, which at the time was quite a prolific thing to do because no one was doing it, and which is mad when you think about it now, you know, body inclusivity was just not a thing. And so I remember meeting my business partner and I said, you know, I've had, I've had this idea. I think there's a gap for for really cool and, inclusive and disruptive brand within this category it's it's just been kind of left to the side of the beauty industry and it was getting a bit dusty and i was like this isn't what this category is to me you know i cry with laughter with my tanning clients i feel this empowerment i've been on all these journeys and it's quite it's been this really emotional connection with my clients and i thought You know, that's really what needs to be shown about tan. It's not it's not about tanning for someone else. Tan is not about putting on this product to attract someone else. Tan is about when you look in the mirror, you feel like your absolute best. And there's this whole differentiation that tan is about an inner feeling within the mind when you look in the mirror and you go, Oh my lord, I look amazing. And You know, if a product can make... I'm really honest. I'm like, fake tan is not going to change the world. Let's get real. But if you feel you're most confident, then you might change the world that you are in. So for me, it just felt like an absolute responsibility. It felt like a right. And it felt like if I don't step up as an expert, buckle my shoes and wave that flag of inclusivity, then no one is going to do it. And it was hard it was a hard fight at first it was a hard fight at first but I'm really glad I did because you know I see now beauty brands inclusivity is the norm body diversity is the norm in adverts in campaigns on social media and I I do believe it took Isle of Paradise to be that catalyst and I think yeah, I changed the beauty industry for the better and I'm really glad I did.
2: No, and you really have. And I think it's just a, hopefully a, a gateway for many new founders and brands to sort of you've really opened up in a way. As you've had some of the hardship at the beginning, but now um, I think the industry has moved a lot more because of that and because of you. And, you know, because, you know, you've launched in some of the biggest retailers with Sephora uh, around the world. And that is a way. That is an amplifier to the message. So, um, but you know, like there might be some people who, like yourself, have this vision, have this sort of sense of even duty to you know really be the catalyst of change um, because the the market, the industry, whatever it is, it needs it needs it. Did you um, at the beginning, obviously, like myself, from creating a brand, it's like where do we start? Did you like decide to like where is your manufacturing? Or did you decide to make everything? local or in America and why Sephora like just really briefly what was those decisions like um for
1: us we manufacture in the UK purely so it's a really tight agile um supply chain and we as a business move very very fast um my business partner he he is the absolute brains behind the logistics and all that really serious stuff that so i'm like, nah, I just want to talk about creative things, um, <laughs> but for us it was about being able to change if we needed to adapt and be agile and be you know be responsive and I think you know if you're if you're starting a business then you're and you want to have that brand that you know becomes cult-like, a tip that I could give you is to really keep asking yourself, why? Why am I creating this? Why is this going to make a difference to somebody else's life? How is this going to emotionally impact the user? Because the market, the beauty industry is saturated. It is saturated. If you have an idea, the chances is somebody's already manufacturing it. So really draw on your experience as an individual and create that product that, yeah, it's going to make your life better, but is it going to make everyone else's better? And, you know, there are so many people who think of Paradise just exploded from nowhere. It just came in and it was just this brand. And actually, I was working for 10 years with Naked Bodies. I was teaching myself all about tan and application and deliverability of product and formulations for ten years, so it's not a, It's really like a whole career as a spray tanner that then got pushed into a product, and I think that you know, reckon, like, don't compare yourself to brands like that. Really own what you've got as an individual, and I think you must have gone through that as well. Like with Fable and Maine, I think you must have really had to focus on that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. For us, it was, I think, really again asking why 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 so what you said i think many founders can relate to this because it's your kind of solar system and you have to every decision even your operations marketing creativity has to always go back to your why so you don't lose sight of your your reason and also being authentic i think really does help brands explode and it's easier as well to cataly- you know catalyze that because with us, like, even though I did engineering and I might have not built beauty brands in the past, like, the products we created with the hair products have been, we've been using them since we were one years old for my grandma. You know, these are things that we know of work So when we go to labs, we're not.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high quality essentials. You'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for
1: free shipping and 365 day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing
2: homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes.
0: Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: Like, going to them saying, what's a good ingredient for this? We're like put this, put this, put this, put this. We know that mm. like make that, that's what that. And that's, I think where, yes, exactly what you said, even though you can always say a brand was founded in, in like a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, but actually the concept, the 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 kind of the heart of the brand is, is a lot longer than that. And for mm. you, it's exactly that because those decisions are a lot quicker, easier because you live and breathe everything about it. So No, I think for me, that's where I I really, I've seen that I can see you in the brand. And as I've got to know you more and more, when I look at the brand, it's so authentically you. You can tell like you wouldn't approve things if it didn't match who you are. And I think that's what makes also a successful brand is you're not like selling out or you're not, you know, you're not moving away it's really everything you stand for and um yeah i can see that on social media as well that's also very important and the influences you work with everything your marketing it goes as a 360 to your why well one thing i do want to also touch upon is um about you now a bit more as, as jules as um you know the amount of people who i've also said to you earlier like when i posted about you on my instagram the amount of emails and messages of friends being like how do you know jules wait he's my inspiration and i was like (laughs) wow i didn't realize how many people you've touched i'm talking from corporate ladies to you know my friends in india like you've really touched and reached so many people with your messaging about positivity confidence um And I want to know, like, what's that journey been like and when did you feel, have you always been so comfortable sharing and being so open or is it something that you've had to build?
1: Oh, I've totally had to build that. I think, um, I don't think I was truly confident in who I was until... God, I think till I turned 30, which I think is really common for most people in, you know, your 20s is really about finding yourself. But for me, it was a real battle with body, body dysmorphia. When we launched Isle of Paradise, I knew that I wanted it to represent the clients that I see in my tanning booth, you know, every single week. But then to have a body confidence brand and a brand that was all about empowering individuals. Yeah, I was at home falling in and out of diet culture and being a little bitch to myself every time I looked in front of the mirror, I was like, that's really contradictory. And I can't lie. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to really start this journey. I'm going to have to start this journey of actually liking who I am. Because when you become a brand founder, it's a really bizarre thing where you are on camera so much so much and you have to kind of like get quite used to yourself and your body and your voice and all of this um and so really for me i wanted to document that journey um and you, if you scroll back through my Instagram, you you can pinpoint almost the moment that I started to do it because my content changed. I was airbrushing my content. I was editing the shape of my body. I was really heavily yeah. filtering everything. And then I was like, I, I just can't carry on like this. I can't keep doing this. And so really, my social channels and how I am as a person, I, I share these things because I really, really know how it feels to just hate every single part of how you look. I know how that feels. I know how it feels to feel like your aesthetic and the shape of your body really determines your worth. And that is a dark and lonely place to be. So I share my journey. I share the things that I've learned. I really share open posts on my social channels because I think that actually might help someone it might help someone and it might just flick that light bulb on when you didn't know you needed it flicking on and you know I get messages saying I've been having a really awful time and I've just seen this post and it's really given me a reality check and I think you know in society we're so programmed to hate how we look and we're so programmed to be constantly on a diet and we're so programmed that you know we must be thin and we must like look like this. And I think that it's, it's about rising above that. It's about looking, coming above that and going, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be told how I should look by somebody else, how I look, how I hold myself, how I am as a human being. I have the power to make that choice. So for me, it's about, it's just about, trying to help people feel their most confident selves every single day.
2: No, I, and, you know, like, the reason why I, I always say um, when, I, when I, whenever I speak to you is, like, how inspired I am by your content is it's so um, important to, like, understand that people are not always open, right? And also everything is quite relative. So, you know, don't feel like your own struggles is less than others. For example, um, myself, I... I People can look at me on the outside or from social media and be like, oh, you know, you're you're in shape, you're you're confident, you never show anything. And actually, like, you know, if I take the layers back and open up, even for one of the first times, I've never, ever been shirtless outside in taking a photo in my entire life. Just for you to know, in a beach, I've always worn a T-shirt. Why? Because there's always been maybe a little bit of something. And I've been, in my mind, I take that way out of proportion. I'm just like... Uh oh! No wait, Let's wait a couple more weeks until my body's in better shape. That stupid thought you keep on saying to yourself, you know, and that as well is really something that you know. If you look on social media, you won't find one shirtless photo of me. And you know, the amount of times I've been with my friends on boat trips and they're all like shirtless, and they say, hey, "Take your top off," and I'm like, "No, I'm okay." And that is my self saboteur my my critic that's telling me they, they they they'll think of me otherwise. But they really wouldn't care. Any, they don't care at all. It's me telling myself that which is the worst part. And I think also it's about, you know, every time I see your videos and, and other people like that as well, who really just champion positivity and inclusivity, it gives me a kind of hope to like, get out of that like very cyclical negative mindset that again is so relative that I sometimes don't even wanna talk about it. Cause I'm like, oh God, like people are gonna say, a cash chill, like, what, what are you talking about? you you know, you, you look fine. Like there are people who have maybe more concerns or whatever, and I'm like, but for me, it's bigger in my mind. You know, it's, it's my own inner demon. So I think, um, I know it's a journey. Like, for example, I used to do this. I used to Photoshop and do the, the liquefaction on those little love handles or whatever in t-shirts and whatever. And I've stopped, I've stopped editing all my photos. I actually get so disgusted when I scroll down, I look at a photo of myself and I'm like, what have I done to my face? And li- what have I liquefied? <laughs> like, I look like absolutely like, how could I have posted this? So that's step one for me. I've really moved apart from that, but I still got a long way to go to really feel confident in my own body. But seeing your content, honestly, um is really motivating me to do that. So this summer, you know last summer I did the first boat trip shirtless with like ten people, and that was a big moment for me. This summer, you know, I'm gonna not care. And um that's something I promised to myself.
0: So
1: I think Cash, what you need to what you need to really remember is that a, you weren't born hating your body. So, how you feel about your appearance really is a learned response to moments that have happened within your life. And unknotting these learned behaviors and changing the habits that you have about the conversations that you've created that other people might be having about your body that don't exist, because if and if they do exist, it represents more about them than it does about you but also this is a big ship to turn because it's years on years of knotted repetitive inner bitching and so there is no magic wand that is going to come down and go cash babe you know what the body that you always wanted that mag- the one that you always look at and the, the one that you create in your head i'm just going to pop this wand on your shoulder and boom there you go it ain't going to happen babe And you are a combination of your parents' DNA and your body reflects that and also the life that you are living. And I think that the tiny changes that you make every single day and how you speak to yourself when you speak to yourself in front of the mirror, when you are looking at yourself, when you're editing pictures back or looking at content... um, The tiny things like you might walk into a room and someone might look at you differently and you might suddenly be like, that's because I look like this. Oh, my God, what's happening? This is all tiny triggers that have big impact. So it's about shifting that conversation. And it might be a a tip that I started with was my love handles and my belly, or as I now call it, my ring of fun was the area that I was so self-conscious of. It was like, I would hide in pictures. I would, everything that you said about the boat party, the not taking your top off, the pictures on Instagram, I 100% identify with because I have been there. But I just shifted the conversation and I started saying nice things to myself. Like, I like my eyes. I'm hilarious. I've done X, Y, and Z. And when you actually... Say positive things to yourself, which sounds like such a simple concept, but unfortunately, society has programmed you to hate your body and hate how you look. So you buy product. Um, actually, that's like a really hard thing. So the the one thing that you need to that I would recommend starting doing is when you have that when that conversation starts going you go, no, 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 How can I flip this around? And it might be that you go all the way down to the bottom of the rabbit hole because it happens and, you know, you can't help those moments and that conversation keeps going. But the next time you start it in a positive way, but it's little bit and often, it's little bit and often. And I think that's how, that's how you'll start it. But it sounds like, I feel like it sounds like you're at this, the edge of the forest of body confidence and body positivity. Definitely. And you're looking in and you're like, I want to go in
2: there. I want to go in there because out here sucks. It sucks. And I've done it enough. And I think I've, I've, I'm making movements and I'm also acknowledging those. And I think what you said with that, I've done it with other factors in my life. So let's say when I have a failure in business, I say, no, 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 let's make this into success. And I literally talk about, I talk myself out of it. What you're saying is you do it in other things. Do it for your, your your own body, do it for your own self, your own, whatever issues you're having. Um, And, Sometimes speaking to people that, A, like yourself, that get it, but also that can, you know, you have to be careful who you sometimes confide in because I have friends who literally will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you're looking a bit chubby, you know, like take you should go to the gym. And they say it's a joke, but they don't realise the words, the meaning of those words. And I think that's why um I, um I you have to be careful who you confide in and then how to block out certain other things, you know. That's also very important because we are... There's so many people in the world and there are some mean people in the world too. So you've got to block them out and not let that undo or not more of the work that you've already started to work on. They can't
1: take your light. They cannot take your light. And you know, sometimes you have to, I had to get rid of people like that because they weren't making me feel good. I was like, why am I here? You ain't making me feel good. What, What am I doing at this table? And The guillotine, they get ambelined. That's what I call it. Ambelin guillotine comes down. (laughs) See ya. Let's go on to the next. (laughs) Don't want to see ya. (laughs) Yeah. like I love
2: that.
1: Failure is such an interesting concept in in itself Mm. because I didn't realise that failure could be such a positive thing until I started my fitness journey. My fitness journey, Mm. I do not work out to lose weight. No, 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 no. I don't work out for aesthetic. I do it solely for my mental health. Yeah. But... Failure in fitness means you're getting fitter. It means you're getting stronger. It means that your muscles have completely exhausted themselves. And the next time they rebuild and you come back stronger. So why are we not doing this day to day with anything else in failure? Why is it like, I failed, I didn't do it? No, you didn't. You just learned a lesson. Like, let's keep going forward. Yeah. You know, like, I think... I don't think there's any such thing as bad failure.
2: And I think it's so important to realise, like, we... Failure, like, when you are in that moment, it can be not often connotated to negativity. But when three years down or three months down, you know, you look back, you're always like, oh, well, thank God for that, because I am where I am today because Mm. of that. Like, I failed a year of university. When I failed, I was like, end of, this is it. What am I doing in my life? Really thinking about, like, all these negative thoughts. And now I'm like, if I didn't fail a year... I wouldn't have realized engineering isn't for me. I would have probably been in a banking job, which I did apply to all the Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, and I wouldn't have been where I am in the beauty industry. And actually, thank God, like if I go back four years, I would have failed all three years. I would have failed all four years. And I would have literally, um, so now that's really my biggest learning point where in business, as you know, having a brand, I get every day calls, positives and negatives. And Mm. I literally am like, all right, lesson to learn we've learned something amazing let's celebrate this learning Mm. not not be so negative about it so yeah and I think if I can put that into my other issues I think it was good it's a really good idea so thank you I'll definitely do this um and you will see some movements before we kind of wrap it up um I do kind of want to talk a little bit about your kind of because you're so positive and the way you kind of are so just giving you have to be sort of, well, not have to be, but you really have to have a very, like, healthy lifestyle in terms of morning routine and, you know, your own kind of way of kind of blocking out negativity and bringing in that positivity. So what's, like, a morning like for you? And what's your day like, usually? My
1: day is as filled with kindness to myself as it can be. Um, You know, I wish I was one of those people who, who could be like, So I wake up at five, I wear white linen, I meditate for two hours, I feel myself ascending and then I have a green tea. Like, that ain't me, it ain't me. I wake up and I'm like, oh God, what's going on? Like, you know, it's a full thing. And I think I try and start my day as productive as I can. And I have, I wish I could say I don't check social media when I first wake up. I do. I do. I log on. I reply to my DMs. And I wake up and I, I'm like, this is basically like 20, 40 minutes of work. So then I'm like, OK, I don't beat myself up if I run behind schedule. We, um, I will do calls usually first thing in the morning with Australia. Um, and then I will break a little bit in the morning and then I'll do calls with America. So it's my day is kind of constructed around time zones um it's very the last year with the pandemic has been a real roller coaster for me because before i would be traveling to clients houses i would be doing spray tans for red carpets i would be living in and out of suitcases and I mean, I still have a lot of stuff at my friend's house in New York because I thought I was going back. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know when I'm coming to get that stuff. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so, you know, my routine at the moment is probably the most I've ever been in a routine in my entire life because my, my routine was always fitting in and around everybody else's. So at first I really struggled getting into a routine. I was like, I have so much voided space and how am I supposed to fill this? Um, Lots of lists, lots of pads, really good pens, strong yeah. coffee, um, and good Vegemite toast. That always kickstarts me in the Vegemite. morning. Vegemite, that, Vegemite that's toast. Probably from your Australia days. Yes. You that over. Um, <laughs> and I also, I also work out um, three, three to four times a week. And for me, that is about it's mental. I'm, it's yeah. mental. I, I don't have scales in the house. I don't measure myself. Ah, no one's got time for that. For me, it's about just. Because turning up online positive and being positive yeah. in meetings and being that person, yeah. you've got to look after your own energy and you've got to make sure that you fill in your own cup. So, yeah.
2: And, and working out energizes you. It's scientifically also proven. So it is something so important that we at least dedicate half an hour, 15 minutes, if you need 10, 15 minutes a day you know, go for a walk, especially during the pandemic, you know, get out, get moving for your, you know, if you want to do it for your aesthetic cool but you know main priority should be yourself your mind your your, you you know your energy levels that's i think so crucial and then you enjoy you end up enjoying it more anyway because you actually see the reap the benefits instantly in your day so
1: although i didn't it didn't happen with me straight away i remember someone being like (laughs) yeah exercise is really good for endorphins i remember when i first started it i was like what are these endorphins that people are talking about? Because I just feel absolutely <laughs> puke. shattered. I was like, this isn't <laughs> fun. It's been completely misled to me. So if you are feeling like that, just push through because it does get
2: better. Push through and be consistent because, you know, it's like a roller coaster. You can go in and out, in and out. We all do that. We have some weeks where we're like with ice cream and dominoes and not working out any day. And other weeks where we're going every day running. And it's just normal. That's who we are. Don't put yeah. pressure. Yeah. But, um, but enjoy it. So last question before the fire round questions. Um, you are, let's say travel is about to opening up. Uh, the TSA is being an absolute nightmare. I like you have to take one, one product From your Isle of Paradise, what's that one product that you would say is your go-to, always-with-you product?
1: Um, The Isle of Paradise Green Drops or the Green Water... Um, the drops for me, I love them because some weeks I want to have a really deep, rich glow and the other weeks I maybe just want a little suggestion, a little hint, and you are completely in control of your glow. So the more drops you add to your moisturiser, the deeper the tan will be. Um, they're suitable for face and body and they're under a hundred mils. So you can get them in that hand luggage, babe. It's ideal.
2: Exactly. That's so important. And I think also, um, as you said, face and body, so big. And so Im- the fact that you formulated it for both, kudos, kudos. Um, okay, fire round questions. Really quick, easy um, questions. And we'd love to know your, your first thoughts. So the first is what's another beauty brand that you love?
1: Um, I love, um, obviously, Fable and Mane, but also, I love Elemis. I love Elemis because it's one of those older brands, but sometimes, you know, don't overlook those old brands because within those, within those big product ranges, there are some absolute hero products.
2: Uh, some, some icons that, you know, withstanded everything and are still selling like crazy. So absolutely Elemis. What's a, a guilty pleasure of yours? <gasps> uh, fragrance. Oh, my God. I spend way too much money on fragrance. Oh, my God. Okay, well, we have to have another discussion on that because my dad's in the fra- <laughs> fragrance industry for 40 years. So if you ever need fragrance, let me know. Oh, you'll regret telling um, me that. <laughs> <laughs> he's the largest distributor of fragrance, so, you know, he can get you the best fragrances. <laughs> um, what, what are you currently watching or reading? Uh, well, I'm reading Jane McDonald, My Life,
1: which she's an icon. I am obsessed with Jane. Um, uh, we are watching Line of Duty like everyone else in the UK at the moment, although I keep watching it after half a beer and then I fall asleep. And so the next yeah. day I have to keep sneaking back and I'm like, I'm just going to rewatch Line of Duty because I can't remember what the hell was going on.
2: <laughs> I think that is the thing with all founders is like, oh, people who have entrepreneurs as well, like you end up like looking so excited to watching a tv show and then you can't finish it because you're just so tired <laughs> but you're like your eyes are closing you're like okay i let's know let's watch it. <laughs> i
1: know and i can't bring myself to have a tv in the bedroom it's not for oh, me really? yeah so because yeah but now i'm like and maybe maybe we do need it because i just keep falling asleep i think i've got television <laughs> yeah. narcolepsy i'm like
2: oh. <laughs> i have one it's dangerous but i do fall asleep straight away when i relate uh, <laughs> to that Something you could consider if you have a strong willpower not to watch it unnecessarily. Um, What is your favourite social media platform right now? Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Although
1: it's not getting big in the UK, it's really annoying me. Um, I keep keep trying to get them going, but I think Clubhouse is a really interesting platform to watch because Mm. it's got really educational and important conversations that are unfiltered and unsolicited. And I think it gives... a a platform to those who have had life experiences that maybe don't want to create content on Instagram every single day and just want to talk about how they're feeling I think it's a really interesting app to watch and I think it will especially with anyone who's over the age of 21 um, will be an app that you can really
2: engage with definitely and it communicates with people from all over the world that Mm. you haven't even met before but it's like opening up it's very Mm. very I, I love it If you want a beauty entrepreneur or a self-tanning expert, uh, what would you be? Um,
1: I always used to dabble with the idea of being a nurse or a midwife because I think Mm. I have high levels of empathy and I'm very kind and caring. And I think they are key skills that you need in that job role. Um, I also think life yeah. coach
2: i i think uh well definitely all of that but i think a life coach you'll be amazing you've already taught me so much today i feel like <laughs> i should pay you for the amount of wisdom <laughs> you've given if, me if you'd like to just insert your long card number at the end of this podcast yeah i'll just make that you something after. Yeah. exactly um, and then i actually have an additional question i know we don't ask people this but i want to ask you what's your favorite celebrity to tan
1: um my favorite celebrities sienna miller and kate moss mm-hmm. they are just Oh, and poppy Bean, just pure yeah. great wonderful energy and a joy to be around a joy to be
2: around great names and no amazing well thank you so much jules before we wrap up where can everyone find you on social media and where can they follow you and your brand uh
1: so i on social media are at jules von Hepp. um Isle of Paradise is at the Isle of Paradise and it's available from Boots, Sephora, Mecca in Australia
2: and other great retailers across the world. Everyone, please go check out Jules. Continue to be inspired. I think he will be your favourite account. And uh, do check out Isle of Paradise and you will be amazed with the packaging, their story and how amazing their products are as well. So thank you so much, Jules. We'll continue our conversations offline. A lot more to talk about, but really appreciate your time today. Thank, thank you. you for having me.